man and woman are the only creatures that are created by God for their own self. He creates us for because he wants to be with us eternally. And that gives us an insight into the kind of creature that we're, we are. Each one of us is the kind of creature that God loves for his or her own sake. That means that every human creature that you and I look at, we're looking at a creature that is created by God for eternal life with God. Welcome to Tulsa Time with Bishop Condola. I'm Adam Minahan. Thank you guys so much for tuning in and for the reviews that we've been getting and following us on social media. Uh, Daniel and our and our team has done a really good job of cutting up our video, our, our podcast into little shorts. Uh, and, mm. and it's been a lot of fun to see those uh, shared. So you can go to the Diocese of Tulsa's website, our YouTube page, right. and see a bunch of those. Uh, they're a lot of fun. Yeah, and you know, I find that I tend to listen to Tulsa Time in the car. Oh, yeah. Um, in terms of, uh, a pl- you know, I'm in the car a lot. I'm driving a lot. Mm-hmm. So in terms of a place where I'm in a spot where I can listen to something, um, the car is one place where I'm there more than right. any place else. So, uh, you know, that's something for people to consider as well. And uh, not just Tulsa time, of course, there's all kinds of good podcasts to um, search out and to listen to, and driving on trips is a good way to, yeah, learn a little bit about the faith. Learn about the faith, pass the time. Yeah, all of In that fact, together. we're about to start a new, uh, have a new podcast on Eastern Oklahoma Catholic. Um, Deacon Kevin Malarkey is putting together a podcast, uh, like a catechetical podcast, um, and it'll be on Eastern Oklahoma Catholic here pretty soon. So another reason why you should uh, subscribe to it. Yeah, exactly. That would be a good thing. So today I wanted to talk a little bit about hospitality, uh, talk about like how do we build community well. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that a lot of times the Catholics, we're not really great at, at inviting people. Um, at, at we're tribal. To, yeah, we're tri- almost tribal. Yeah, you're right. Like we're, we uh, are, are almost... Uh, afraid that or something or uncomfortable with inviting people. Well, uh, I, I say we're tribal, not as a critique, as simply an observation. But it is, it is a caution. In other words, uh, if we go back to Genesis, so if we go back to the first uh, <clears throat> three chapters of the Bible, where we read the creation stories. And there's more than one story there. One of the takeaways from that is not that God made the world in seven days and that whole uh, controversy and all that. We can talk about that another time, too. That'd be a good thing. That'd be a fun one. Evolution and so forth. Uh, It's not that. It's that God created us as a willed act. In other words, God wills each of us into being. God desires each of us for our own self. Man and woman are the only creatures that are 
created by God for their own self. He creates us for because he wants to be with us eternally. And that gives us an insight into the kind of creature that we're, we are. Each one of us is the kind of creature that God loves for his or her own sake. That means that every human creature that you and I look at, we're looking at a creature that is created by God for eternal life with God. And since each of us has that kind of dignity that mm-hmm. is bestowed on us by God, then every other person has that kind of dignity. It's a dignity that cannot be lost even through sin, because there is always, until death, there is the possibility of repentance. So this morning, for example, we just executed another uh, prisoner at, at, uh, in McAllister. Father Brian Brooks was there to represent all who would like to pray for the terrible tragedy and, and um, disruption that crime represents, and violent crime in particular. So mm-hmm. we pray for the victims of violent crime. Mm-hmm. But we also do pray for the person who has been executed, and we do pray for our society that recognizing that we don't have to execute someone to protect the society, then we ought not to. Um, But we each have this dignity instilled in us by God who has created us for himself, and that's where the origin of a should regarding hospitality, I think, is born. Hmm. that the reason we should welcome other people is out of a recognition that we share a human, uh, common human dignity, a common human nature. In the Bible, particularly in the Old Testament, hospitality is a huge um, expectation, a huge requirement of God's covenant and of his people. And part of that is just very practical. Mm-hmm. If you're in the desert and you pass by a camp and they have water and you don't and they don't welcome you, then you may die before you find other water. But certainly it goes uh, beyond that. And so, you know, at its most basic level, it's simply a recognition of who another person is. That's right. Uh, John Paul II, one of our... I think one of our our favorite saints, I think yes. that's one of yours too, correct? He's one of mine. Uh, and I think he said one time that uh, looking at people, they were asking him, like, what, how is it that you're able to tune in to the, to the person right in front of you when you're the Pope, when you have all these things going on? Uh, how are you able to give your undivided attention to that one person? And he said, um, I see a new aspect of God in them. Mm-hmm. Each yeah. person revealed a little bit more about God because we're all made in his image and likeness. Yeah. And I thought that was just so profound, like so beautiful. I experienced something of that when I was uh, ordained, the day I was ordained a priest. Uh, that was the first time that I had experienced a social circumstance in which I was standing there and there were a long line of people that wanted to, to greet me. And it made me very uncomfortable because I was trying to rush each person through because I could see that long line, and it made me uncomfortable that people were standing there waiting, and it was outside in the sun, 
And so then I was uncomfortable with the fact that I'm rushing people through because I wanted to talk more um, leisurely to them. But I, it was killing me, this long line. And eventually I settled on the idea as a, as a priest and even as a bishop that I leave it up to people if they want to wait or not. That I can't control. Control so that I can simply be human mm-hmm. and appropriate with the person that's in front of me. And that has helped a lot. I bet, yeah. The, the other circumstance where priests experience that is in the confessional. If you're at a retreat or something and you know there's a hundred people outside and they're waiting a long time in line, and you're trying to hear confessions, especially if you're up against mass. Mm-hmm. And you know, I've got to stop in 10 minutes and there's 15 people out there. That's an uncomfortable feeling because you hate for someone to wait 40 minutes and then right when they get there. Yeah. You have to poke your head out the door and say, I'm sorry, I'm five minutes late for Mass. I've got to go. But, um, yeah, the, the, the ways to be hospitable, one of the ways that I'm thinking of has to do with simply driving around town and seeing people on the corner. Um, you know, going back to that desert image, mm-hmm. people in those... Uh, cultures and societies would be frugal, and they would always be thinking, I need to have a little set aside for someone who may come by. Mm. I've heard our uh, brothers who come from Nigeria, our brother priests coming from Nigeria, talk about the funeral rites, and after someone dies for a full month or something like that after the the uh, death, the family of the person who has died must be ready to receive visitors because visitors will come by to share in the grief mm. at almost any time, and you have to be ready for that. That's a a beautiful thing that I think our culture would benefit from, more of that. You know, mm. we have this kind of rugged individualist um, icon in, a, in the United States. But if I, you know... I don't think that it's necessarily a good idea to just give cash to people I see on the street. Mm -hmm. And so I don't do that. But I go through the effort, and it is some effort. It takes a couple of hours or more for me to go to Sam's, for example, and to stock up on bulk items. And when I'm buying them, I'm thinking to myself, if I was that person on the street corner, what would I need? Mm -hmm. What would I appreciate? Uh, recognizing that I don't have access to kitchen sinks and bathrooms. And so I get water. I get various kinds of food items that don't require cooking or necessarily utensils, other food items that require utensils, but I include utensils uh, and um, things that would be healthy, Mm -hmm. you know, that would be not just, you know, donuts, right? but you know, granola bars are things that would help a person in the heat. And uh, hand wipes. You oh, know? yeah. Uh, that's something that I would appreciate if I was in that circumstance. So put those, buy all those things in bulk, bring them home, divide them up into individual bags so that I've got, you know, a month or two months supply of bags. And then I carry a couple of them at a time in, in my truck so that if I see someone, mm-hmm. I can give them something. 
All of that, in my mind, is an example of hospitality. I'm not actually dealing with anyone while I'm doing it, yeah. but I'm getting ready to be able to welcome someone or at least to help someone uh, with something. So that's, that's an image. Yeah, I like that. In my mind. You know, idea. I think we tend to, to think of hospitality in maybe too one-dimensional a way, Hospitality, we immediately go to welcoming people to my home. Mm-hmm. And, of, of course, that's awesome. Most of the people we welcome to our home are people we know. Right. You know? Um, and then we also tend to think of it in terms of, of the church. Mm-hmm. We have greeters, ushers, uh, people whose who stated position within the church, and maybe they've even had training. You know, we had... Uh, at the student center, we had usher training. We had liturgical ministry trainings, and one of the liturgical ministries was greeters, ushers, and they went through a special training so that, A, they would know how to operate the AED machine and who to call if somebody faints in the back of the church and where the cleanup supplies are and all the things. Mm -hmm. Plus... How do you welcome someone? Don't just stand there like a log, right? <laughs> holding the door open. And don't, uh, you know, two of you together, each of you holding one of the doors open, but you're talking to each other and ignoring... <laughs> Defeating the whole purpose. The yeah. people coming in. Don't do that. And the other thing that we talked about uh, at the student center, we we among the staff we had a phrase we we talked about assaulting people with our fun, and it was simply a kind of a a sensitive a sensitivity with regards to this question of welcoming people, uh, because we would have you know 150 to 300 some days uh, students at daily mass. And it was always amazing. At the end of Mass, they would gather in a big knot right outside the church. Mm -hmm. And you would think that these people have not seen each other in 10 years. Right. They were together yesterday. Right. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) But they're so excited to have fun together. And, of course, they've just been fed with the Eucharist, and so they're feeling in a high. Most of them are of a personality type where... Even they may be a little shy, they nonetheless can strike up a conversation or join a little knot of people talking and so forth. So you get all this excitement in this knot right outside the doors of the church, making it even a little bit difficult for people to try to leave the church to get out, out through there. And so, But what we came to note was that if you weren't already part of one of the little groups or part of the whole group, or if you were really shy, or if you were in an emotional state such that you just didn't want to be around too many people or so forth, trying to get through there would make you feel like you were being assaulted by the fun, fun. of this group. Sure, yeah, yeah. And so there's a need for a sensitivity on the part of whoever's the greeter or the usher, for example, to read the person a little bit, too. You know, to not just go in there, launch the hand yeah. out, hey, how are you, and all of this. You're wanting to to be very welcoming, but the person may feel assaulted. <laughs> I didn't I didn't want all that. 
So to, to kind of read people a little bit, you're trying to match what you perceive they need. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think that's a, a type of hospitality, Yeah, is an awareness of people. But the other one is to, to make sure, in parishes, to make sure that even though you have trained ushers and greeters and so forth, that nonetheless everyone considers themselves to be an usher and a greeter. Hmm. In other words, it's the job of the entire community to be sensitive to looking around who seems like they're sort of standing off to the side, hmm. who looks like they maybe don't know who to talk to or what to do, and then to go and get them, you know, to, right. to go out. To bring and, them in. Yeah, to bring them in, to welcome them in. Being sensitive to what, you know, maybe they don't want to be drug into the larger group. They just want someone to stand with them for a few minutes and, and have conversation with them. Yeah. Uh, that would be fine, too. I had a, a, a letter, actually, recently from one of the faithful. And uh, this young person attends one of our larger parishes and is a very, I'm sure, uh, pious and devout individual. And they were bothered by the fact that at the end of Mass, suddenly everyone was standing up and all chattering together. Mm-hmm. And there was all this commotion and movement and noise in the in the sanctuary. Well, just in the church. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And the the music, the final musical flourish of the choir and whatever was very loud and so forth. And in their mind and in their own um, sense of of uh, piety, at the end of mass, everyone should kneel and quietly pray a prayer of thanksgiving, and that's a a traditional part of our piety, and I'm not critiquing that at all. But I was, in my response, I was hoping to, to help them to see that we've all just experienced the grace among graces. Mm, the Eucharist, yeah. The Eucharist, and there's naturally going to be an excitement and a kind of an exuberance in people who have just had that experience. And so they're there's likely to be some commotion. Uh, you know, it's good to pray later or in other places where it's quieter. If you if you want to pray quietly right after Mass, you may want to go to a side chapel or, you know, something like that. I mentioned that in my own life as a priest, I pray in preparation for Mass before I ever go to the church so that when I get to the church, I can be attentive to, to the people. people and what's going on and after, you know, before Mass, I want to be out greeting people and saying hello. I was always aware that as a pastor, one of the few and maybe even the only place that some people would get to see me in a manner in which they could say something to me might be that moment. And then the same after Mass, I'm going to want to mm. greet people after Mass and say hello and goodbye and talk to them. So, Yeah, Father O'Brien has a, a, a really great... Uh, Father Brian O'Brien uh, Stillwater, he had a really great uh, comment and suggestion to the parishes, uh, like parishioners. If you see, he says, if you see me all the time, you have my cell phone number, you have my email, we talk and chat throughout the week, things like that. After Sunday Mass is not the time to talk to me. <laughs> because 
uh, there are certain people that I only see them at mass on Sunday and I want to be able to connect with them. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's not that he said, like, it's not that I'm being rude to you, uh, but we can talk all the time. I want to make sure to engage these mm-hmm. people I only see on Sunday to make sure they feel welcome, to make sure that sure. they're aware. And I thought that was, that was a good insight from a parishioner standpoint yeah, because yeah. I'm definitely guilty of that. Like I'll walk out, Father Brooks, hey, what's going on? It's like, I talk to him all the time. I, you know, be focused, let him, uh, see everybody else at the same well, time. Well, it's the same thing with those groups of students. Right. They all know each other. Right. All the more reason that they should be paying attention. Is there someone here who doesn't seem to fit in yet? Mm-hmm. Let's find a way to welcome them in. Let's let's ask them to come with us. We're about to go get dinner. Right. Come with us. Um, you know, a, a really useful part of our Eucharistic revival that we're in now would be precisely this whole question of, of welcoming and of hospitality. Father Brian is saying, you know, please make space for me to be able to uh, connect with people who don't feel connected. But those same parishioners who are really already deeply connected, they also ought to develop for themselves this sense of, I'm authorized. Right. You know, by virtue of my baptism, by virtue of the fact that I'm already on so many committees and I know everybody in the parish, by virtue of those things, I'm authorized to be looking. Right. Before and after Mass, I want to be looking. Who do I not recognize? Who right. have I not met yet? Yeah. Uh, who seems new? If, in fact, he has somebody, uh, her name is Betsy McNeil. She's a mm. wonderful lady, uh, just a, a spark plug. I mean, she is, just has a ball of energy. And so she comes up to him after mass goes, okay, who is it that I need to go talk to? Yeah. You know, and so she's she's on, on the lookout. Her head's on a swivel of like, yeah. who should I be going out and talking to? Yeah. And he kind of says, go talk to them, you know, yeah. and points her in the direction. That's a brilliant, I, that's, a, that's, a, that's a really profound understanding of role, mm-hmm. you know? What is my role when I'm going to Mass? My role is to worship God. My role is to love my family. My role is to witness for my children. But my role is also to act as God's representative to someone else, and I'm authorized to do that. I don't need to be an usher. I don't have to have a special... You're baptized Catholic. I don't have to have a badge on. Right. You know, all of those things. Um. The more that we do that, the more that our parishes feel to others. You know, I've, I've been in, of course, lots of parishes where people are invited to stand if they're new or something. Right. I never like to do that. No. I never like to do that because I would be the kind of person who would not want to. Right. And in fact, I have actually been in such circumstances and have not stood. <laughs> you said, not doing it, I'm not, not doing, doing that. Doing it. <laughs> um, I would not want to do that, but they should be welcomed. Right, yeah, yeah. The intent is there. Yes. So if I'm not going to invite them to stand so everyone can turn and look at them, Mm -hmm. nonetheless, there should be enough people in my parish who I know, because I've talked to them about it, they're going to notice them, and they're going to go and say, hello, how are you? Welcome, thanks for coming. Yeah. Let me let me give you a a, a practical tip that I learned, uh, and let me get your thoughts on it. and I actually learned this from Dan O'Brien, Dan and Julianne O'Brien, who are another great couple that are really good at spotting people and, and welcoming them in mm-hmm. and, and meeting them where they are. 
but you know, I have uh, Sunday's mass for for the Minahan family is more of a physical workout than a mm -hmm. spiritual one. You know, like we're wrangling kids and keeping shoes on and making sure that the kneeler's not hitting feet and, you know, all these different things as a family. And we try to sit up at the front so the kids can see. Uh, so I don't really see who's behind me. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't ever look behind me other than telling the person behind me, I'm really sorry that my kid did something to them, you know? So I don't really pay attention to who's behind me. Well, I realized like, you know, these people... I worship with them every Sunday and I don't even know who they are. Mm -hmm. So Dan O'Brien, he had this idea of like a, what he calls a pew party. And so his idea is, is like you take wherever you sit in your pew, you invite the, the people who sit two rows ahead of you and the two rows behind you mm -hmm. to your house for brunch after mass. Wow. Okay. And the, you're welcome to come. No, no, you don't have to bring anything. If you don't want to come, no problem. But just whoever is in front of you and behind you, mm -hmm. uh, you invite them over. Mm -hmm. And then at the end of the brunch, then you say, I'd like you to do the same. Mm -hmm. And so the idea is, is that, okay, you now know the, peop the, the two pews ahead of you and the two pews behind you. And then you get invited to the mm -hmm. two pews behind you. And they're inviting two pews behind them. And so now you're you're continually meeting new people. Right. And the people that you go and see every single Sunday, you're just like, yeah, I don't remember what, what, what's his name? Is it Jim or is it, you know, what's his name? I can't remember. We have an organic way of sharing community with one another. Yeah. Everybody has to eat. Everybody, you know, and you're there together worshiping. Yeah. I just thought that was such a cool idea. I, I love it. I love it. And I think that it, it contains some of these components that we're talking about because in order to do that, you have to have already thought ahead of other people. Mm -hmm. you, have, you have to have already planned and made provisions for other people, because otherwise you can't invite them home to brunch and there's nothing. Right. And so here's, here's the formation of a mindset in a person that is thinking of others that I don't even know. Right. I may not literally have even laid eyes on them yet because right. I don't know who's going to be sitting there. And uh, it's, a, it's a, a tremendous formation in hospitality because it causes me to begin to live for and think about other people and to be, start to invest my life in the needs and concerns of other people. So, yeah, I love it. Yeah, I thought it was a pew party. So you guys could do that in your own parishes, just start pew parties. Just invite yeah. them over for, for lunch or brunch. and Because yeah. uh, I know of, you know, round-robin dinners and things like that. But they tend to be among friends. And so those groups need to find ways to pull people in who are not That's right. part of the group. Uh, because otherwise it can become, and I'm not saying it would, but it can become a kind of a clique. Sure. Yeah, and it's embarrassing, you know, for me as a uh, you know baptized Catholic, for me not to know mm -hmm. the guy, the family who sits right behind me every single Sunday. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, not too long ago we were sitting there at Saint Benedict, and uh, after Mass, the guy taps me on the shoulder and says, "Hey, I just wanted to introduce myself. I've been sitting behind you for like you know the last four months, and I wanted to introduce." And I was like, "Man, what a missed opportunity on my part, you know, to not welcome them. This is a parish I've been to my whole life." Um, you know, and so, uh, there's just those moments of you realize, but, you know, I think it's part of what we're advocating here is again, going back to the Eucharistic, uh, revival, what are we reviving 
we're reviving many things in ourselves. Um, and one of the things that we're reviving is an awareness. Mm-hmm. You know, when we're talking about hospitality, we're really talking about human dignity. That's basically all we're talking about. And so the Eucharist has formed us. In the Eucharist, Christ has formed us into his body. There's the connection. Right. And it's not a connection based on we know each other, we're friends with each other, we vote the same way, we like each other, we're on the same side of cultural issues or whatever. It's a connection based on the fact that Jesus wills us to be in his body together, makes us members of the body together. So let's meet and let's get to know one another. And but it's it's it forms a deeper uh, consciousness and sensitivity in my mind about other people in the body. Yeah. yeah. Uh, another just one more that I practical thought um, of how to do this right. Um, that uh, Dave Niles and I we used to live right right across the street from each other, and you know we have kids growing up you know together. And one of the things that we're not as good at now as what we used to be. Like when I was a kid, it's like I walk outside and be like, oh, well, there's the Johnson's house. That's the All Reds house. You know, and you knew all the families down, you know, around the street. Well, now I don't. Right. You know, I don't know everybody around me. Right. And Dave and I were like frustrated with that because we wanted to learn like people around you because my kids are hanging out with your kids. I want to know who you are and, you know, I want to become familiar with you. And so one thing we decided to do is like, well, we'll just throw a Labor Day party, street party. And uh, we made little flyers and we passed them all around to the neighborhood and said, just come to our house. And we rented a little uh, blow up bouncy house Mm -hmm. and we cooked hot dogs and hamburgers and just said, everybody is welcome. And we had like over a hundred people show up. Oh, awesome. Uh, You know, and, and it was awesome because everybody got a chance to meet the neighbors and we kept hearing people saying like, oh, I've been meaning to meet you. I've been meaning to meet you. But uh, we, we sat back and we're like, okay, this is, this is what we should be doing because sure. uh, sharing Christ doesn't actually be in a lot of times with actually the Bible verse that we know or, you know, the apologetics that we know. Mm-hmm. It's more about like, hey, like, kind of like what you were saying, we're all humans and we all have, you know, I want to show dignity to you and the golden rule, treat us mm-hmm. as you want to be treated. And once people know that you care about them, mm-hmm. then they say like, oh, well, what is that? what's the difference of you compared to the other people in this world? Mm-hmm. And then that's the seed that you get to plant. Yeah, because I don't want to go to the block party that's inviting me and says, bring your Bible. Right. I mean, we would have like three people probably show right. up, right? And they'd all be hating you. you know, yeah. We'd all be a, ba- a bashing of one another. Yeah. So, you know, when you, when you do something like that, you want to welcome the stranger. Mm-hmm. And the stranger is precisely someone I don't know. Right. And thus, I don't know where they're coming from or what's going on. And so I'm trying to be open and provide an openness for them. As people get to know one another and they're no longer strangers, then they can delve into deeper aspects of a person. But, uh, you know, if I get the invitation to the block party that says, bring your Bible, I'm going to be thinking, okay, there's there's an ulterior thing going on here. Uh, obviously, I'm all in favor of the Bible. Right. <laughs> I tend to be. I'm, I'm paid professionally to say that I am in favor of the Bible. And I definitely want people to be reading the Bible. But we're first Christ to each other in our humanity. 
because that's the first level that we're going to see and know each other on. And I think it's the most natural to be that. If someone's coming at me who's not coming at me out of their humanity when they first are meeting me, then I'm thinking, okay, there's something going on here. That's right. And so, yeah. So it's it would not be good hospitality to come at someone with an agenda. Right. Yeah. yeah. And ba- again, it's, it's this idea of like, come and share the good things that we have. Like, let's share with one another. Um, and then... You know what? Once once they do that, once they get to know who you are, again, it's that whole First uh, Peter three fifteen something like that. You know, always be willing to to defend your faith for the hope that it, that they see within you. Right. So like, it's a presupposed like, right. yeah, you can defend your faith, but it's the first action is somebody else has said, oh, there's something about this person. No, there's a meme that I've seen of I think maybe the guy's name is Carl, and he's talking to Jesus about his new business. See, Jesus, I had these hats made up that say, I love Jesus or something. And Jesus is saying, why did you do that, Carl? And he's saying, so people would know this is a Christian-run business. And Jesus is saying, well, let's don't wear the hats and see if people notice anyway, just by the way you run the business. Right. (laughs) Right. Yeah. And I mean, that's, it's the whole authentic Christianity, right? Like Mm. this is like the intentional discipleship is really like accompanying these people and meeting them where they are Mm -hmm. and loving them Mm -hmm. and then bringing them, you know, to Jesus. Right. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Anyway, I just thought we'd talk a little bit about hospitality. No, I, I like, I like, uh, you know, the, the topic itself is a broad topic, but an important one. It's easy to overlook. It's actually requires more intention and thought, you know, prayerful thought to do it well than it seems. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are reasons, you know, every Sunday someone is at Mass who doesn't know this community or who feels sort of left out. And if they come... Sunday after Sunday, and no one bothers to even recognize them. Even recognize them. Now they may be someone who doesn't want, you know, a, an extreme introvert. Sure. At the end of mass, I'm glad to get out of here, uh, so I can go home and read a book. Uh, that's fine, but often you see someone who kind of slow in the way they walk out. They're kind of looking around, yeah. you know. And so I hope someone reaches out to me and, you know, it would be a shame if no one does. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, again, atten- intentionality, you know, and, and pre-planning things, I think, is, is really important, right? Yeah. Uh, thoughtfulness. Uh, thoughtfulness, yeah. It pulls us out of ourselves. The, the culture that we live in tends to drive us into ourselves, and hospitality can pull us out. That's right. Well, thank you for listening to the Tulsa Time with Bishop Condola. We'll see you guys next week.